This is Entheogen. Elevate the conversation. I'm Joe. I'm Brad. And I'm Kevin. Please support Entheogen by making a donation on Patreon. Become a patron for as little as $1. Pledge just $3 or more and get early access to new episodes, plus exclusive patron-only features. Head over to entheogenshow.com and click on support. And thanks again. We're very honored this week to be joined by a brand new guest, William Hyde, Senior Subject Matter Expert from Leafly, leafly leafly.com. Will, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. So I really have to ask, first and foremost, what, uh, how much pot do you have to smoke to become a senior subject matter expert? <laughs> uh, you know, uh, enough to know the plant intimately, um, but, you know, years and, and it, years of just following my passion has really led me to where, where I am today. Uh, luckily, um, the perks of that come with getting to enjoy a lot of really, really fine cannabis. I was going to say, I think, I think the answer is enough to not remember the answer to that question. <laughs> that's it, true, too. I yeah. mean, if, if you're doing it right, I think that's, that's probably <laughs> spot on. <laughs> right on. You know, I've been uh, actually interested in, in uh, th- this sounds just like me, but microdosing on uh, c- cannabis edibles lately. So it's not necessarily how much you smoke or how, you know, what quantity, I think. There's also a lot to be appreciated in the very kind of subtle realm of you know, very light dosing, certainly with the edibles or the one and done method of, uh, of, of pot smoking. I don't know. Am I, am I talking against the grain there or? No, no, I completely agree, especially, um, in, you know, this newer era of legalization and safe access to things like low dose edibles and stuff. I think there's a lot of room for, you know, implementing cannabis into your lifestyle. However, that works best for you. And I think a lot of people are finding, some really great results from low dose edibles, from you know metered dosing through vape pens, through um, just gaining a deeper understanding of what they're consuming, why they're consuming it, and how they're consuming it. Yeah, I think that's exactly it. A, a good friend of mine who I've known for quite a long time uh, was never uh, you know principally against you know weed or smoke or anything, but never really enjoyed it, and always had. Uh, it uh, kind of hangups around the dosage and he, he was never comfortable smoking because when he did, he would get way too high. And so he just generally avoided it. And it's really been only in the past uh, year that he's had access to low dose edibles and he really enjoys it. And for our close circle of friends, it's kind of taken us off guard that it's like, oh man, you could have been hanging out with us for so long uh, <laughs> if, if it was an easier way to, to kind of get access to it and kind of feel comfortable knowing what you're consuming. Totally. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say totally. You can, you can even couple sort of that, that low dose approach with edibles with, um, you know, our, our more recent understanding and and knowledge around CBD and the way it, it can sort of balance out some of the effects of THC and the new ways that breeders are emphasizing some of, the um, you know secondary and tertiary cannabinoids and and then in conjunction with all the terpenes as well like there's sort of a big mix of of feelings and ranges of of effects that cannabis can provide and and depending on the makeup of of what you're consuming and how you're consuming it you can really sort of dial in the the feeling or the the depth of of cannabis's effects that that you really want to you know, steer towards and, and maybe incorporate in your day to day. If it is things like micro dosing, or, you know, if you want to get more on that macro dosing on the weekends, when you're, when your uh, schedule might be a little clearer, uh, that's always a good, good time too. 
I'm I'm uh, I'm so curious uh, about this whole thing because I've sort of been living outside the country for the last few years, and of all the uh, substances, marijuana was always the substance that I it's probably the substance that I used the most because it was always around, but it was also the one I least enjoyed because I never I never got the dose right, and and as Brad mentioned about uh, his friend, I was pretty similar. I would get wrecked and then uh eat a whole bunch of butter sandwiches and then go to sleep and uh and i did that a lot and uh so i never really got comfortable with the whole how to how to use it properly and so i never really enjoyed it i would always do it because i still would you know would rather be stoned i I would argue you enjoyed it yeah i did i did did at times but in general it was like it was the one thing i never i never felt like i really got it you know and since i've left like all this stuff like 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 louis ck once said right like i didn't know they were working on this stuff like it was the cure for cancer you know (laughs) and uh and it's just it's taken off and it's gone in such a such a complex uh culture like when i read leafly i'm blown away i'm just like this is i don't even know what's going on anymore it's like you're, you're talking it's like i'm reading a like a wine connoisseur's uh, blog or something, you know, it's so I'm really curious as to, uh, what's going on and, and actually like interested in giving it another shot. Yeah, good. I think that's the right attitude. I mean, there's an element of, of exploration and, and self-understanding in cannabis. And I think that's one thing I always try to convey to people is that, you know, cannabis isn't necessarily like a cure-all and it's not necessarily going to change who you are deep down as a person, but it will, it will bring out a lot of things that are probably already inside of you, whether that's an, an open mind or, or even on the other end of that, you know, anxieties and fears and things like that. So I think just, you know, sort of managing those expectations and, and understanding that set and setting, just like most substances, um, have a, a great effect on your experience and the way that you can incorporate cannabis into your day to day. So I think, you know, it's a lot. It's a lot for a casual consumer to really understand, especially if they're just diving back into cannabis after a break, or or just eager to sort of finally check it out now that they have some safe legal access to it. So it's um it's a daunting sort of uh, pool to dip your toe into. But I think you know, with resources like Leafly, we're hopefully bringing some level of knowledge and understanding to the consumer base. And hopefully um, people are starting to develop some of their own tastes and understanding so that they can learn ways to safely and effectively incorporate it into their life and, and, you know, enjoy it at the same time. Yeah, exactly. Just to echo that it, it with all of the research, you know, it, I, you, you mentioned it can be daunting to just try to navigate the waters on your own. And I think for me, when I was young, that was kind of part of the adventure. You know, it was like wading into the unknown and figuring out what I liked and what I didn't and and just having a little more ambition with experimentation. But I don't, I, I you know, maybe it's age or, or whatever, but I, I certainly don't have that same level of ambition or at least free time to <laughs> explore. And so I really appreciate all the research being done and all, and all the resources. And I'd love to kind of learn a little bit more from you about sort of the resources that Leafly provides, be it informational um, and, and kind of people who maybe listeners who maybe kind of want to learn how to to take advantage of the resources that are available through Leafly and, and the work that you're doing. Yeah, I mean, there's we, we have a bunch of different outlets for our resources and information. I mean, the, the easiest, quickest way is to just go to leafly.com slash news. And that's 
basically our news and content arm where you'll find uh, pretty much all things cannabis, everything from uh, breaking news and politics on legislation and and sort of um, what's going on within the, the cannabis reform uh, and legalization movement. Um, and then also a lot of stuff that is more just you know, health and science based or um, culture and lifestyle based and and sort of all of those different tracks um, where I spend a lot of my time is uh, on the strains and product side. There's a lot of really interesting, you know, new and novel products like the Lotus edibles you mentioned that are being developed and and sort of it's it's my it's my passion to sort of hunt those down. And that comes from my own, you know, as you mentioned, the the curiosity to experiment and and see sort of what what novel elements to the cannabis industry are popping up every day because there's a lot of really inventive people creating a lot of really inventive products that are, you know, both fun but also some that are solving some real practical, um, you know, applications or or some problems that medical patients or or even consumers who who maybe don't have the free time or who have, you know, a lot of responsibilities to juggle, but still want to unwind at the end of a stressful day or don't, don't jive with alcohol or other substances. So, um, you know, leafly.com slash news is great for that, but we also have leafly TV where we have a lot of fun and engaging and entertaining and informational, uh, video content. We have our podcasts, like what are you smoking, which I host, which is a, a strains and products podcast where we just sort of literally discuss what we're smoking um, for for others out there, whether they're in a legal state or not, just to get them sort of excited about what they might be able to enjoy in the in the coming years as legalization hits the the rest of the nation and the globe. Yeah, in addition to the just innovative, uh, you know, nature of of the current state of the art, um, it's also just the quality is getting so much better uh, across the board. I had good fortune to uh, be gifted a, a sample of some of um, Willie's Reserve chocolates. They're and they're just incredible. Like they taste amazing. They're made. They're organic. They they actually are delicious as a product in and of themselves. And they they have a wonderful dose to them, and they're very consistent. Um, they're packaged like a fine scotch or cigar or something like that. It's just like a really all around, really like well done, well executed product. And it's just like pot chocolates. And, uh, you know, and I use them kind of therapeutically in a really like micro dose level. You can break them apart and cut them in half and, and that kind of thing. And uh, it just occurs to me like how well produced they're, they, they could, you could find them in like a pharmacy someday, hopefully very soon. Um, and they'd fit right in with the rest of the, you know, product offerings out there. And, you know, very well known to most people in this, uh, in this industry, they would work a lot better than most of the products you'd find in the pharmacy. Um, I, I've heard people say that cannabis can, you know, help with the common cold. It can help with flu symptoms. Um, ironically, you can smoke cannabis and it helps with the sore throat in my experience. Um, you know, not to mention all the other like very well studied uh, medicinal uses, legitimate medical uses. Um, it, there's, it's so far reaching and the quality and uh, forms are just uh, just incredible. It's what an exciting time to be to be in this industry. Yeah, definitely. And I think I think some of that comes from just the fact that now we're we're able to openly discuss this and talk about it. Um, you know, even people who might not traditionally come from the cannabis world or the cannabis community, you know, things like chocolatiers and 
culinary experts and, um, you know, scientists and, and all these sort of outside forces with a lot of great knowledge about how to, how to, you know, manufacture or, or the recipes needed to create a really good chocolate bar or, you know, all these subtle nuances that were really sort of left in the hands of, of cannabis growers or dispensary owners uh, in the past are now, you know, being able to be put together with, you know, in a much more collaborative effort to, to really create some great products that, that allow people to consume cannabis in different ways and, and find those different uses that you're talking about. Because I think so many people just assume, oh, if I'm going to enjoy cannabis, I have to smoke it. And like you said, you know, there's, you can, you can utilize cannabis in your recovery from everyday ailments like the common cold, but smoking probably isn't the, the best in those circumstances. So there's things like tinctures and edibles and drinks and capsules and sort of a whole myriad of options for consumers and patients to explore that, that sort of steer them away from the traditional means of consuming cannabis. And I think that's, that's one of the hardest uh, hurdles for cannabis to overcome is just getting everyone to understand the depth of it all and understand that when we're talking about cannabis, we're not necessarily just talking about lighting up some green leafy lettuce in, in a bowl. Like you can extract it, you can mix it into just about anything and you can find a lot of really novel approaches to consuming cannabis um, for whatever your purpose or, or destination is, uh, is aimed at. Yeah, I think edibles are kind of a unique one there because, uh, you know, people have this association uh, who, who people who are non uh, drug users, let's say, or non cannabis users um, think about smoking pot. And I think their association is with like needles and like weird, uh, you know, pipes and things. Drug, and like drug very, paraphernalia. In paraphernalia general. in general. Exactly. And, and now, you know, with edibles specifically, I think. Uh, and to some extent, you know, capsules and, and pills in their traditional form, it's a lot more analogous to like what people think of as like legitimate medicine, you know, something that you eat orally, um, you know, that that's something that seems more legitimate to people for whatever reason. So I've had these conversations with adults in my life who up until now have been very averse to even like talking about this or, you know, very sort of, uh, you know, they just are n not really uh, open to this concept of, of using cannabis. You know, it just seemed like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, you're just talking about getting high. Um, but then, you know, people now have like, like, for example, my dad has friends who, you know, had talked about uh, edibles and like he, he had a chance to participate, you know, and uh, and it just speaks extremely highly of like the benefits of, you know, of edibles now. And this is a conversation I could not imagine in, you know, coming of age in the dark ages of cannabis 20 years ago, uh, having had with with, you know, most of the adults in my life. And, and now it's uh, just much more natural to sort of talk about this as a legitimate, uh, not only recreational activity, but also, you know, medicinally beneficial and, and therapeutic, uh, you know, uh, thing as well. Yeah, well, I think we have, you know, 80 plus years of, of propaganda to, to overcome. And that's why in a lot of people's heads, it is sitting right there next to needles and more illicit substances that can do a lot of harm to our communities. Whereas the, the reality of cannabis is, is it provides a lot of benefit if you can find a useful way to incorporate it into your life. And that doesn't have to be smoking pot all day, every day. That doesn't have to be, you know, taking one gram dabs like we see kids doing on, 
on YouTube and stuff. Like there's a lot of really useful ways that you can incorporate cannabis in your lifestyle and not not even with the goal of of getting high or or feeling the effects of cannabis. You know, it's in a lot of senses it's a homeopathic medicine and a lot of people are finding ways for, you know, whole plant um to be utilized in smoothies or um you know, there's just so many different uses and ways. And, and for that matter, you know, hemp derived CBD, which literally has absolutely no THC in it. So you're not going to have the intoxicating effects that you get from traditional cannabis, but you'll still receive a lot of really great benefits. And so there's just, there's so much depth and so much nuance and, and so much that we're even still, still learning and understanding. I mean, the, the secondary cannabinoids hold a lot of medicinal value, but because cannabis hasn't been bred for those constituents, we don't see a whole lot of them available just yet. I know there's a number of companies and labs that are, are working to isolate some of those cannabinoids and, and really push the knowledge around those further. And, and again, all that just comes back to the fact that cannabis has been a Schedule One narcotic for so long and and in my eyes unjustly so because you know it doesn't it doesn't have the same uh consequences that a lot of those more illicit substances can have on a society i think if we teach society what cannabis is and can be and we teach everyone to to be in tune with themselves then they will be able to make the right decisions about how to consume it, when to consume it, why to consume it, or or to not consume it if it's not for them. Because I understand that cannabis isn't for everyone. I know plenty of people who it just doesn't vibe with. Um, and to those people, I tend to say, you know, that's, that's understandable. Um, but I still urge you to explore and to find a way that, because cannabis has, has offered me so much benefit throughout my life that that really I've sort of made it my mission to help help others find the benefit for themselves. I think you could start a new podcast. Why aren't you smoking? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, or or why aren't you you rubbing topicals on your sore muscles after you run a marathon or or whatever? Uh, you had me until the marathon part, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my marathon's a, a little different. It, it involves a, a bong and a lot of flour. Nice. Will, what do you think, um, you know, over the past maybe five or even 10 years, are are there any new uh, applications or forms that kind of took you by the most surprise or you found to be like the most pleasant welcome? Um, Like speaking for myself, I remember the first time I smoked a dab, it seemed a little, a little intense, a little foreign. But I I was blown away by like the clarity of the high and like I, I remembered thinking like oh my god I, I must look like a wreck I was actually at a wedding reception and I went to the bathroom and my eyes were completely crystal clear white and I just could not understand like how I was feeling with how I don't know I guess I was feeling or I was looking and that was for me something in, in recent years that I I couldn't have anticipated um, that that sort of uh, extraction method. And I'm curious, for, in, from your perspective, over the past five, 10 years, ha- have any in particular um, been the most welcome or most surprising to you? 
Yeah, I mean, to be totally honest, it's it's hard to surprise me in this space just because I've been <laughs> so I've been Fair so much with it for so long. But but I mean, I think I think dabbing and concentrates in general are where a lot of sort of the energy and and advancement and and innovation have been taking place. Um, and that's just because we now have whether it's large investment that allows us to buy bigger and better extraction equipment or whether it's just, um, you know, the, the community's deeper understanding of, of what we're doing and why we're doing it um, has just allowed us to produce some, some really amazing products. And myself, I'm, I'm the avid dabber on Instagram and I have a weekly column that's centered around concentrates. So I'm, I'm pretty, you know, dab obsessed, if you will, but I, I look at dabbing um, more the same way that people look at at fine whiskey or scotch. You know, it is something to be enjoyed, but it's it's you know not something you need to to load up in a beer bong and slam down your throat necessarily. It's um, you know there's there's a lot of great nuance to cannabis, and I think in its concentrated form or in its more traditional forms like hashes and stuff, a lot of those nuances um, really stand out more and. And you can kind of see a lot of the subtle differences in a strain of cannabis uh, when it's sitting next to another strain. Um, and that's just because it's so condensed and you're removing a lot of the, the variables from flour that remain constant from strain to strain and things like that. So I think, you know, concentrates and, and hashes offer a lot of really, really good variety to consumers because you can can sort of figure out what tastes you're most attracted to. And, and also, you know, just, just really being able to enjoy the, the, the purest essence of cannabis, whether that's isolated molecules in, in THCA or CBDA, or whether that's really, really complex and diverse, you know, flavor profiles that high terpene extracts uh, provide and, and some of the saucier, dabs will will allow you to have but then like you already touched on i think the low dose edibles are really where it comes uh back to because you know eating is such a natural thing for for all mammals <laughs> and animals in general so humans naturally can find a, a time or an opportunity to eat and so in including cannabis in those times is just sort of a natural way to get it into your daily routine and um, I, I also think just sort of the, the complexities around dosing are where most of the concern and, and questions come from. So the more mm -hmm. you can sort of mitigate some of those, um, some of those variables, it, it just um, it, it focuses people a little bit more and allows them to experiment without necessarily, you know, stepping off the edge of a cliff. Yeah. Right on. Yeah, the edibles can be integrated a lot more easily, I think, into like a, a daily routine where, you know, if you once you've kind of determined the right dose for you, um, for me, it was like a really small amount. Like I was I was taking something on the order of like 1.25 milligrams of THC essentially is what it would have been, uh, you know, calculating that out from from the full like 10 milligram, you know, single dose. I was kind of breaking it up into pieces. And it, it, I note it was a noticeable, I mean, it was a tiny amount, you know, it sounds like minuscule, um, but it was noticeable. And it was just this like general kind of uplifting and energizing kind of feelings, almost similar to uh, microdosing LSD. 
and um, but much more predictable just because it was easier to um, to predict the dose like you're saying I mean once once you get that part right um, you can you can go up and down from there you can experiment with times of day or you know you can skip days and see what the difference of effect is um, but I I feel like you know through my experimentation that overall um, at some point in the past uh, society kind of severed this like symbiotic relationship with cannabis and we have this chronic chronic deficiency, I think. <laughs> uh, I think it's fair to say. I mean, I, I don't know. What do you guys think about that? Like, is that just, am I just like evangelizing cannabis here? Or is it, is there something to it? It just seems like it benefits so many sectors of society in so many ways. Like, I really wish if I could wave a magic wand and everybody got like one to two milligrams of, of THC, um, you know, in their diet every morning, um, I think that would make the world a better place. Yeah. I don't know about the, uh, the, the historical part of that. I think it's hard to, uh, de determine completely, but I definitely think it's one of the things that, that gives me a little bit of hope, uh, specifically with, uh, you know, with sort of the, the way society is right now and sort of the kind of political problems we're having and whatnot. I, I just think that this can only be a, a force for, for good and a, and a force for, uh, bringing people together. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think, I think, you know, it's funny you mentioned like a daily dose of one or two milligrams of THC, um, because in a lot of ways I, I view cannabis sort of the same way you would view a, a nutritional supplement because, you know, the human body has the endocannabinoid system specifically there to accept cannabinoids in our, within our system. So it, by design, we, we should be in my eyes, consuming some level of cannabinoids. And what the endocannabinoid system really is there for, at least in my understanding of it, is to help balance you out, um, to keep your your other bodily systems in place, to keep your wits about you, to keep um, your health about you, sort of all of those things that allow you to, to sort of maintain homeostasis, if you will. Um, and that's, that's really what it is, you know. And for some people, those that that daily dose of cannabinoid supplement is is much larger, um, myself included. But I think a small dose goes a long way, and it's also the type of thing where because it is a system, it's um, you know like riding a bike. The more you do it, the the better you'll get at it, um, and and the more you you do it, you'll understand yourself, and you'll understand the way it affects you and you'll understand when to consume and when not to consume and, and how much is too much and, and how much is just right. So I think there's sort of a, a level of finding balance within yourself, but also understanding the fact that like your bodily systems can actually improve thanks to cannabis. Yeah, I think that definitely bears out in practice. And and just to maintain some of my street credibility here, um, I would say one to two milligrams more as like a minimum um, for, for for probably most people. And I think I would have no hesitation in recommending that to almost anyone across the board. I mean, I don't know if there's ever been like an adverse reaction to, uh, to, to I mean, certainly to such a small amount of cannabis, but to any amount practically. Um, so one to two milligrams for all of society, almost any age group, I think would be like a very good baseline for everyone to, to kind of start with. And at that small level too, you end up with basically no, um, no tolerance effects kind of, uh, you know, accumulating over time as far as I could tell. 
Um, so it remains effective also. Um, but certainly like that, you know, a nice five milligram or 10 milligram dose, um, is, is a really enjoyable experience as well and can be extremely therapeutic in a more kind of, um, you know, specific way, um, f to deal with, you know, specific issues or, or as an adjunct to therapy or just for fun, like to go, you know, just to, just to have some good old fashioned fun. Um, so it's, there's a, a lot of uses for like the wide range of, of dosages, I, I talked to a friend who I think took um, 50 milligrams um, and just sort of like sat there for like many hours and did not respond to people talking to him and just like felt totally great, just felt totally fine and just did not respond to, to a word for, for hours. Um, yeah, that sounds so awesome. <laughs> how many butter sandwiches did he eat? Yeah, exactly. Right. Good question. Not to, to um, take a hard left turn in the conversation, but... Well, you'd mentioned your Instagram account, the Avid Dabber, and I was just perusing through it, and I'm finding myself a little starstruck at the moment because I'm seeing photos of you with both the Broken Lizard crew as well as Cheech Marin, and yeah. I'm a little more what? <laughs> nice. How do yeah, you do I've, that? <laughs> I've had a I've had a pretty fun past couple months. Um, I've been down in LA a few times to hang out with both uh, the Broken Lizard team who puts on Super Troopers and Club Dread and and beer fest and all those great comedies, um, as well as comedy legend Cheech Marin, who's got his own brand of cannabis that he's just released. And, you know, that's sort of the, the fun part of cannabis is, is the cultural, the culture side and, and the entertainment side, um, you know, cannabis and, and Hollywood and cannabis and entertainment have been intertwined for, for so long that, um, you know, comedy and cannabis just, Mary, because cannabis makes you laugh, humor makes you laugh, and and the two together, uh, you know, make both better. So um, I've been lucky enough that I've got to hang out with some comedy and some cannabis legends, and that's definitely one of the the more fun perks of the job is just you know the places and the people that that cannabis will introduce you to, and I think that's one of the the most important factors to me about cannabis is is the ability to connect with other people through cannabis it's been my single greatest networking tool it's been <laughs> you know it's been well said well said it's been the way i've strengthened and developed all of my long-term friendships and lifelong relationships it's how me and my wife really solidified our relationship by consuming and sharing cannabis and and getting to know each other on a a deeper level in that regard. Like there's just so many things that cannabis can teach you about others and teach you about yourself that just makes it so profound. And whether you understand that in the moment while it's all happening or whether it, it sort of comes to you later as, as things add up over the years is, is, you know, up to the person. But I think the more I've shared cannabis with others, the more they have shared themselves with me and the the deeper those bonds have become, and it breaks down a lot of those social anxieties um, or um, you know social constructs that might otherwise box people in when they're having a conversation or getting to know someone. And so I think there's just a lot of really good opportunity, like I said, to to learn about yourself, but also to learn about others. And and I think that cannabis sort of levels the playing field in a lot of regards. Like it will, yeah. it will break down some of those barriers. It will, 
it will put up some new barriers that you might have to overcome or or understand about yourself before you can push things forward in a relationship or a friendship. So I think, you know, it, it's it's a tool that I utilize to connect with people, but also to help, you know, others understand themselves better so that they can then be a better friend or be a better uh, confidant. Yeah, I, I'm remembering back to one of our uh, what a great memory from our show's past when we had the opportunity to interview Alex and Allison Gray. And I remember Allison sharing an anecdote about, you know, her daughter as a teenager, you know, kind of going through this oftentimes when, you know, kids as teenagers can start to distance themselves from their parents and feel isolated. And she, you know, got high with her daughter. And it was something that brought them together, which I, I, at the time when I heard it, you know, I think I'm my reaction to that was more reflective of the 80 years of propaganda and having this like, oh, gosh, like that's that seems quite irresponsible. But, you know, <laughs> taking my own experience in context, it's that's badass. You know, that's really amazing that in the way that, Will, you're describing and I totally agree. Everything you're saying is resonating with me in a, in a, in a real big way of like friendships that I've had. And I really liked what you said about, you know, the more you shared that experience with them, the more that they've kind of shared themselves with you. Um, and I remember thinking back to, to Allison's anecdote uh, and being really impressed. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, I think, I think you know, I, I sort of had a, a similar, you know, feeling at, at growing up that, you know, like, cannabis was sort of my escape from maybe whatever was going on in, in my family life or, or my social life or whatever, just the, the angst of, of growing up and, and trying to understand this big, crazy world. But, um, you know, it wasn't until I was a young adult and, and more formally, you know, attached myself to cannabis, um, to everyone that I knew that I understood that, that my parents, you know, their path was, fairly similar in a lot of regards. And I never really took that into account until we were both old enough and mature enough to have some of those conversations. And, and, you know, once, once we were old enough and, and actually did and, and found opportunities to enjoy cannabis together, it, it really does solidify things on a, on a much deeper level. I, I found a connection with my parents that I had never had before. And that, that didn't come from some great epiphany while we were both stoned, you know, it came from just the fact of, of a level playing field and uh, a balance of understanding that, that, you know, we sort of all are the same and we all have the same experiences, even though as a, as a child, you look up to your parents and they're sort of the end all be all of what this world can and should be. But then, you know, you blossom and you, you realize that, that they're, people just like you and they're trying to figure all this stuff out as it comes at them as well. And so I think, I think, you know, well, while I don't spend a lot of my time in, in deep consumption mode with my parents, they've both um, opened up themselves since cannabis has become legal and they both have found ways to enjoy cannabis and they both enjoy talking to me about it because they know I'm passionate about it. And it, it's something that we're able to share and that's not necessarily you know, passing a joint in sharing it, but it's just yeah. being able to share the same headspace and and sort of level that playing field. To tie back in sort of the low-dose edibles that we brought up earlier in the show, um, my dad has been pretty obsessed with um, these breath strips. 
And they're not actual breath strips, but that's sort of the best definition I can give you is, is you know, the Listerine strips that, yeah, yeah. that just kind of melt on your tongue. There's actually a company here in Washington who makes a um, low dose. I want to say they're five milligrams um, and they just dissolve right in your mouth and you absorb them sublingually. So they're they're pretty fast acting and they're you know, easy. You could tear a strip in half if you, if you only wanted a, a part of that. And, and he loves them because they're, they're discreet. They're, they're, you know, manageable. They're in sort of a inconspicuous and, and, uh, you know, convenient, easy to use form. So it's something if he was, you know, sitting at a ball game or riding the bus somewhere, he could, eat one without being concerned about someone, you know, seeing him spark up a joint or something. And I think, you know, it's, it's really cool. And also to him, you know, he, he enjoyed cannabis a lot when he was younger, but, but he never had the option to consume it in all these different cool novel ways. And so it's, it's sort of as much of a kid in a candy store approach as it is, you know, the the end result of of getting stoned or feeling the effects of cannabis it's a, it's an exciting place to to be i mean we i had the good fortune to be in reno for um the opening weekend of of uh recreational sales in nevada and it happened to be independence day fourth of july weekend and I walked into a dispensary there and, you know, went through the whole process. You give them your license, identification, you wait in line, um, and then you end up having this, you know, one-on-one sort of, you know, consultation really with, with the, I guess we call them bud tenders now, which is awesome. And uh, she was explaining, you know, the different, just the uh, speaking of kid in a candy store kind of feeling that I had, all these different products. And she said something about shatter and you know, and I was like, man, I'm old. Like, I don't know what that is. I have no idea what that is, you know? And she was like explaining it to me. Like, I'm like, you know, like 60 years old and like, yeah. And I just, I felt like a really out of my element and it was a great feeling because I was like, I, I thought I knew everything about this world of, of, uh, of pot. And, uh, and I'm so glad that I don't because it just means other people are working very hard at this and, uh, coming up with all these new inventions. And, uh, it's just, it's amazing. I mean, they had this like fruit punch that you could just kind of dose out like in, you know, these little, um, you know, cups and kind of maybe add it to other beverages or, um, you know, they had, uh, dried fruit. Um, they had every form of this and it's just, uh, it's so speaking of convenience, it's just, yeah, it's incredibly convenient and, uh, it's, it's exciting to be here and to watch these dominoes fall state by state. Um, my own state of Connecticut, I was very excited to learn that the, uh, as they put it, the, uh, the joint uh, committee on appropriations, I think that's a great <laughs> name also, um, voted to, uh, to legalize uh, pot for, uh, you know, um, recreational use here in Connecticut. And we have um, in the Northeast now a pretty good stronghold. We have, I think, what is it, Maine and Massachusetts, both legalized cannabis recreationally. Um, yeah, Massachusetts and, uh, is just about to come online, too. Very exciting. What is the exact date on that? Just out of just for a friend. Um, I believe <laughs> I believe July first or somewhere mid mid sort of summer there. Um, don't quote me on that, although I'm sure that is listed on Leafly um, on our news site. So definitely check that out. But um, it seems to be sort of the pattern that that once these um, laws or regulations get put into place, you know, they technically go into effect on. January one, but usually there's so much licensing and regulation to sort through. And a lot of these agencies are 
uh, you know, pretty green when it comes to all of this stuff. They haven't had to regulate cannabis on this level. So there's use of green, by the way. Yeah, right. right. Ironic, yeah. Uh, there's, yeah, this industry is ripe with puns, which um, <laughs> that's true. Both a blessing and a curse. As as someone who loves puns, it is, uh, you know, a great opportunity. But as someone who is really eager to push the the cannabis movement and community forward, I also see the need to to sort of look past some of the uh, stagnant humor in our industry. <laughs> sure. <laughs> well said. But, J- just doesn't, it just doesn't resonate with you anymore, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, no, but that's I mean, I, I have a hard time passing up a good pun. So I think that's, that's one thing that, that cannabis and, and for lack of a better term, the, the stoners of the world um, appreciate. And that is the fact that, you know, we can make fun of ourselves. We, we see the humor in all aspects of life, including ourselves. And, and, you know, once, once that playing field has been leveled, you break down some of those walls and concerns where, where you might not be as, as free to make fun of yourself or, or to see the humor in, in what you're doing. So I, I love that about cannabis. And, but, but what I was getting at with Massachusetts is there, there tends to be a little bit of a lag and that tends to be about six months. So Typically, we'll see a state come online, regulations roll out January 1, but then stores and growers and, and everybody else who's who's working really hard in this industry doesn't actually get product out to consumers until about six months later. So January or July 1st tends to be sort of that, that benchmark. And I know like Canada is doing a big national legalization this year and and it's going to be really groundbreaking in a lot of this in a lot of senses because they're the first G7 nation with really strong economic power to to push cannabis reform forward. Um, they've actually had to delay that a bit, but um, I'll give them a little leeway just because I can only imagine what what a struggle it is to implement this nationwide and not just state or county or citywide. Sure. Well, also, I was, I was really interested to, to read a little bit about Massachusetts in the meantime, where um, there's some loopholes now that it's legal recreationally. Um, you know, the infrastructure is not yet set up, as you mentioned, to sell it uh, through legitimate you know, sources, licensing and all that. Um, but some companies have sprung up to offer uh, delivery services for things like uh, soda or pizza or whatever, and where they might charge something like $50 for like a bottle of soda. And it comes with a gift of like $50 worth of cannabis, basically, like an eighth of, of pot um, as a, quote, gift, you know. Um, and it, it's, yeah, I mean, it sounds, it's shady. And of course, it risks, you know, putting the industry in a bad light. Um, but strategically, it's really interesting because it helps those companies build like a distribution network um, that they could bring online, you know, very easily as soon as it's actually officially legal to do so. I wonder if you have any thoughts on, on that aspect of this whole process. Yeah, I mean, I love the inventive nature of, of the cannabis community. We will always find ways to to share and pl- proliferate cannabis. So I think I will always applaud those efforts. Um, I will say that that it's really tough to find a balance between, you know, the people who are who are really trying to do this right and the people who are just trying to do it because they see the opportunity. And I think, you know, as licensing rolls out, that that the people who are doing it right really need to be the ones that we're championing. And, um, the, the other ones who are, are just in it for a buck or who are just really looking 
you know, who, if it wasn't cannabis, it might be some other illicit substance or some other uh, nefarious means of, of economic gain. And, and so I, I applaud the inventiveness. Um, I hope that it is simply a stopgap while they are trying to license and do things the correct way. But, uh, you know, coming from the medical space and, and trying to develop, you know, ways to get safe access to cannabis, I think, I think it's great that people have found sort of these workarounds. And, and you know, Canada is going to go through something similar because um, July 1st, they will they will technically be legal, but a lot of the stores won't be open until later that fall and stuff. And so it's a really big opportunity for citizens of Canada to actually DIY a lot of this cannabis. They'll all be allowed to have something like four plants in their home. Um, so while they can't purchase it and while they can't sell it or do any of that, they do have an opportunity to sort of get in front of the ball and start start cultivating cannabis, start understanding it, start utilizing it in their own life. Um, but they won't really get the, the cannabis market experience or the retail experience until those stores are actually open. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, that, that will definitely be an interesting process to watch just given the high profile nature of high profile, man, you can't avoid these puns, can you? It's just, you (laughs) step right in. They're everywhere. (laughs) So just waiting for Amazon, Amazon cannabis. That'll be the day. Yeah, really? Right. <laughs> wow. Um, so, Will, anything else that you think uh, listeners should be kind of, you know, paying close attention to, um, y- you know, over the, the next couple of years here? Um, you know, I know that states, are like as we've been talking about, are, are really coming online even more quickly than I think I, I had imagined. I also heard something from New Jersey recently. New, New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy said that, um, you know, he's basically he wants to uh, legalize cannabis there as well. Um, this is all happening right now. Is there anything on the horizon that you think we should pay extra close attention to? Really, really what it's going to take is, you know, we're seeing, we're seeing sort of domino after domino fall and, and they're starting to pick up more steam with how quickly those dominoes are falling. But, but really the next big stepping stone is going to be some, some national framework around this so that companies can legitimately do business with, with banking and with investment channels and and with you know a lot of these businesses can't even write off their their office supplies the same way a, a mom and pop grocery store would and stuff and it it's really hurting the business model because it's it it takes so much investment and so much risk to get into this in the first place and then to not be afforded some of the same um you know, conveniences or, or same avenues that traditional businesses are allowed to utilize to function at a high level. It, it's, it's really hamstring our stringing our industry. So, I mean, the quicker we can get national reform moving, um, the better it will be across the board. It will open up things like, uh, you know, interstate commerce. So the great brands that you got to try in Nevada, you could even access and enjoy there, uh, you know, in the Northeast. Um, but really, I think, I think the, the biggest thing there is that, that the states, especially the U.S., needs to realize that, that we have a lot of the innovators and a lot of the leaders in this space here within our borders, and that if we don't do something about this soon, we're going to, you know, no longer be sort of the the proving ground for a lot of this stuff that, uh, 
that places like California and and other places on the West Coast have really worked long and hard to to pioneer. And so I'm just hopeful that that people will continue to push and understand and see that that cannabis isn't just a a recreational drug. It's not just a medicine. It's it's a social justice issue. It is a a freedom issue, and it is it is really just about letting letting people live the life that they want to live so long as they're not harming anyone and as we all know by now cannabis is the the least harmful substance you can consume even when comparing it to things that are already widely available to to consumers worldwide you know there's there's so many products that do so much more damage than cannabis ever could you know obviously things like alcohol and tobacco, but even like junk food and sodas and, and sort of all of these other angles that, that lobbyists and, and politicians have been able to prop those industries up thanks to the almighty dollar. Um, and I'm just hopeful that, that someday soon cannabis will be propped up on some of those same levels and, and just be able to, to share it with everyone who wants it. Um, but really I think, you know, what, what people should be excited for is just the movement at their local level, because that's where they really have the ability to incite some change. And I think the more we can change things at a local level, the the quicker things will happen on a national level. Yeah, that's certainly been happening and, and it's been uh, been really interesting to watch. And I look forward to the next uh, couple of years for sure. Um, I, if I can say personally, if Trump gets reelected, I'm moving to cannabis. <laughs> I moved to campus <laughs> a long time ago, uh, even before Trump was in office. Um, although, honestly, his his announcement this last week was was promising to say the least. Although I I don't know, you know how much how much faith you can put into his hollow words, but um, it's it's at least a, a, a glimmer of hope, um, which can which can be. <laughs> be a double-edged sword, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm confident that the cat is out of the bag and it's going to be a lot harder to put that cat back in, especially with so many claws and so many (laughs) scratches that we're ready to, to throw out. So, um, I think, you know, we're, we're going to keep riding this wave. We're going to keep pushing for what we know is right. And, and eventually, uh, the rest of the nation and the rest of the world will, will understand and we just got to keep educating people and and dispelling stigmas and and overcoming you know generations of propaganda um so that people can can legitimately understand what cannabis is and what it can be right on well we're getting there and uh, not a moment too soon uh and largely thanks to the good work of people like you will at uh, leafly william hyde the avid dabber at the avid dabber on instagram the Avid Dabber column on Leafly, of course, senior subject matter expert of Leafly. And also we should mention once again, the Leafly podcast, What Are You Smoking? Which is, I think, a fantastic name, especially <laughs> considering the subject matter of uh, just uh, you know doing a survey on all the products that are out there, many of which we've touched on today. But um, check out What Are You Smoking for, for more about that. And thanks once again to William Hyde of Leafly, leafly.com. Thanks so much. Yeah, thanks, thanks so much for having me, guys. Thank you very much, It's been fun. Thanks for making it. That was Entheogen. Elevate the conversation. 
I'm Joe. I'm Brad. And I'm Kevin. Please support Entheogen by making a donation on Patreon. Become a patron for as little as $1. Pledge just $3 or more and get early access to new episodes, plus exclusive patron-only features. Head over to entheogenshow.com and click on support. And thanks again.